Tuesday, everyone. Welcome back to Unbothered. What a great weekend of NFL that we just had capped by last night's game that I will be getting into. Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs, great Monday night game. I'll react to that. As well as the Jets switching quarterbacks. Uh, Zach Wilson dropping down the depth chart. Tom Brady gave his thoughts on the NFL. And I give you my top 10 teams. Another week done. Got to update the top 10 list. Excited about this one. The team that's been on top for a while remains on top. And then tonight, ahead of the college football playoff rankings, I rank my top six teams and some questions that I think the committee needs to answer. So let's get into it. Eagles Chiefs last night. Let's start with the winner of the game, Eagles. Eagles won this game 21-17, down 10 points at halftime, 17-7. They come back, score two touchdowns, and win the game 21-17. Chiefs don't score a point in the second half. So, first, Eagles. Eagles were more consistent all night like they've been all season. That's what they were. Um, Some people say Eagles got lucky and, you know, officiating this and that. Uh, No, this is who the Eagles have been all season. This is how they've won. They win close games, and they beat good teams. Jalen Hurts is 13-0 in his last 13 games against teams with a winning record. This is what Philly does. They get 16 first downs, uh, you know, 238 yards. You know, they were out game, time of possession, have more penalty yards. What happens? Uh, they don't turn the ball over as much as the other team. And late, they find a way to win. Jalen Hurts talked about this post game. They're just a resilient team. They're never satisfied. And he just says all the right stuff. And I mean, uh, Jalen Hurts, again, you look at the numbers, are they great? 150 yards passing. Uh, team had 114 yards rushing. Defense and offensive line uh, probably were as worse as it's been all season. And they still found a way to win. Why? Because they're a consistent team. They go to what works. Uh, the tush push on key plays again. It's funny how you know, this is a side point. The commentators say it's unstoppable, but it's, you know, I think they said 52 out of 58 or 53 out of 59, like six times that hasn't worked. So obviously it's not unstoppable if it's been stopped before, but I'll digress. But they go to what works. That play, Jalen Hurts running the football, whether it's a QB draw, out of the pocket, uh, getting one-on-one matchups, scheming up plays for A.J. Brown, or in this case last night, Devontae Smith, to have those one-on-ones. Beat the corner. Jalen Hurts uh, makes good throws. And that's what they did last night. Uh, DeAndre Swift, the feature back, as he's been all season, looked good. And again, looked good. Last night, he averaged 6.3 yards per carry. I thought they could have ran the ball more with DeAndre Swift, because I thought he looked really good last night. He got a touchdown. All of their touchdowns were from running the football. And I talked about their identity uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and that's running the football. Being physical reminded me of the Michigan Wolverines in college football. 
that's what the Eagles are in the NFL. They're this physical team, imposing team uh, that doesn't stop. I mean, Jason Kelsey, to me, is another MVP of this team. Every time they have a big play on the ground, Jason Kelsey is pushing and pulling his way up the field, uh, you know, all the way into the third level sometimes, uh, getting a key block on safeties. And that's how you know this team is clicking uh, when they have Jason Kelsey running around the field blocking people. I mean, right when, when you have your best oh, wide out A.J. Brown, one yard, one uh, catch eight yards, you still win. Uh, that is, it's, you know, very good. Uh, uh, it's impressive. Eagles are an impressive team. They move to 9-1. and one. Uh, and now they're 9-1 and one back-to-back seasons, I believe, first time since the 05-06 Colts. Uh, they did win the Super Bowl one of those years, so maybe Philadelphia will get it done this year, but they still look like a formidable team. What about the Chiefs? Eagles were kind of who I thought they were last night, and so were the Chiefs. Uh, could have scored second-half points again for the third consecutive week. Now everybody wants to talk about they dropped by Justin Watson or MBS, but Travis Kelsey, a big fumble in the red zone. Patrick Mahomes, careless interception in the red zone that occurred in the end zone. That can't happen. Uh, bad play uh, by him. Yes, there were drops, but there's enough blame to go around to everybody. You can place blame on MBS and Watson for dropping footballs. Uh, you can blame Travis Kelsey for, you know, the fumble. You can blame Patrick Mahomes for the interception. I think only players you can't blame are the, you know, rushing offense because they ran for 168 yards last night, uh, 5.6 per, uh, you know, carry. I thought they could have actually ran the ball more with Pacheco uh, than they did. They were getting some uh, good runs. I thought the defense tightened in the second half of Philly defense, uh, but I thought they didn't run the ball as much in the second half as they did in the first half, uh, where they had a lot of success with Pacheco on the ground, even with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He had a couple nice runs uh, sprinkled in there, Kadarius Toney in a Devo Samuel sort of roll out of a backfield, and I just thought they threw the ball too much. In a game where Patrick Mahomes had 43 pass attempts, um, I thought, you know, they could have cut, cut half of those and give those to the running back room because I thought the running backs were rather impressive last night. But again, the key thing it isn't the drops, which so many people are highlighting today, the drops of these wide receivers, uh, but it is the second half adjustments or in their case, the lack thereof. So Kansas City uh, used to be, a great team with second-half adjustments like we saw in the Super Bowl last year. They could be down by 10-plus points, and they were in the game. They'd come back and win just like that because not only of their talent, but of their scheme. So this year, you know, they're actually ahead by 10-plus points, and now they can't score a point in the second half. So... Last two weeks, again, haven't scored a point in the second half. Uh, two of those have been losses to the Broncos and the Eagles. 
Uh, one to the Dolphins. I thought they escaped. Again, didn't score a point uh, in the second half there. Um, and that's got to change. Again, there's a lot of that has to do with halftime adjustments. Andy Reid has to coach better, has to call the game better. Um, I think, like I said, there's enough blame to go around, to be passed around, to be shared by everybody involved. It's um, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, your three uh, best you know people associated with this team are the three that are letting you down right now. So Kansas City is in a spot we haven't seen them um, in the past three or four years, and that is they look beatable every week. You know, last year even, this was a team that did not look beatable. Oh, really, there are three losses. It's like, oh, uh, that's just crazy. And this year, different team. They do look beatable on a weekly basis. I think any team can go to Kansas City and beat them. Really do. Now I want to switch to the New York Jets. So the Jets, you know, are now starting Tim Boyle as a quarterback this week, this Friday against the Dolphins. Zach Wilson has been benched, relegated to quarterback three, which means Trevor Simeon is a backup to Tim Boyle starting on Friday. And I don't think this is a good move. I, I, I get that this is the last chance to kind of do anything, last resort to spark the team because they're four and six. Aaron Rodgers is talking about practicing in a couple weeks and coming back to play next month. So you kind of want to have something for him to come back to play for, a playoff spot, something like that. So this is their last chance. But again, whether it be Tim Boyle, Trevor Simeon, I don't think this is going to do anything. Maybe it will inspire a team, which we've seen before. A new quarterback comes in and kind of inspires the guys, and they get a win. But honestly, I don't see it happening. I see this offensive line as a liability, something they got to address in the offseason. You know, Makai Becton got hurt this past game. I think they definitely need to address their tackles and offensive line to protect Aaron Rodgers. Or if you're a quarterback of the future moving forward, that's a, that's a big deal uh, for them. And I think they have to draft another weapon or get another weapon outside of Garrett Wilson. <laughs> Excuse me. There's been rumors of the Devontae Adams possibly this offseason, which would definitely clear that. Uh, but even if you don't get him outside of Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard hasn't been good. Randall Cobb has been not available. You traded back Nicole Hardman. So really, outside of Garrett Wilson, you haven't had great uh, wide receiver play, and that's something uh, that needs fixed. So we'll see if the switch to Tim Boyle uh, inspires anything within the Jets. Then... Brady. So Brady got on a podcast, got to talk about the GOAT, uh, and he talked about the NFL play, and Aaron Rodgers seemed to agree with him when he was on the Pat McAfee show today. And Tom Brady 
uh, said, and I quote, I think there's a lot of mediocrity in today's play. I don't see the excellence that I saw in the past. I think the coaching isn't as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. I don't think the schemes are as good as they were. The rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. So I just think the product, in my opinion, is less than where it's been. He went on to add, I look at a lot of players like Ray Lewis and Roddy Harrison and Ronnie Lott and guys that impacted the game in a certain way. In every hit they would have made would have been a penalty. You hear coaches complaining about their own player being tackled and not necessarily why don't they talk to their player about how to protect himself. We used to work on the fundamentals of those things all the time. Now they're trying to be regulated all the time. Offensive players need to protect themselves. It's not up to a defensive player to protect an offensive player. A defensive player needs to protect himself. I think a lot of the way that the rules have come into play have allowed this. You can essentially play carefree, but if anyone hits you hard, there's a penalty. He finished with, I think college players were better prepared when I came out than they are now. Just because so many coaches are changing programs, and I would say there's not a lot of college programs anymore. There's a lot of college teams, but not programs that are developing players. So as they get delivered to the NFL, they may be athletic, but they don't have much of the skills developed to be a professional. Uh, when I played at Michigan, I essentially played at a college program that was very similar to a pro environment. But when I see these different players come in, they're not quite as prepared as they were. And I think the game has shown that over the last 12 to 13 years, I think things have slipped a little bit. End of quote. So do I agree with Brady's mediocrity in the NFL quote? Let's, well, let's break down some of what he says in sections that tie into his uh, mediocre message uh, that he gave. So the first one was in respect to the coaching in terms of development and schemes. So development, I think, again, it's all dependent on who you watch. I think there is some coaches that can develop talent in the NFL. I think we look at a D'Amico Ryan's in the offensive system in Houston and what they've done with C.J. Stroud. That is really good. Kyle Shanahan uh, with Brock Purdy. You look at his schemes as well. There are great schemes. You look at Kyle Shanahan. You look at Mike McDaniel. Uh, you still look at Mike Tomlin at defense, Jim Schwartz at defense, Ben Johnson on the Lions at offense, uh, the Eagles, uh, their schemes and the development of the players, Jalen Hurts' progression. Um you look at the Ravens and Lamar's progression um, in some of these guys. So, you know, is it as good as it once was? I do think there was a glory day in the NFL with all these uh, great coaches and great minds. Has there been a bit of slippage uh, in that department in terms of development? Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, you're hoping that, hey, these college players that you get, I hope they're ready because we're throwing them in because we need them right now. Um, and you hope the scheme is uh, fits whatever system they had in college to where they can produce at that level. So to a certain degree, I do agree uh, with Brady and what he said there. Um, then he talked about the rules, and this is one, of course, I agree with about, you know, 
the rules kind of allowing bad habits to happen. And this is something Aaron Rodgers agreed with because, hey, you know, they are trying to regulate so many things to make it an offensive-minded league to score a ton of points, a lot of touchdowns, and, you know, the defensive side of the ball. Um, again, that's what's getting regulated so that the offense can score a lot of points and there can be a lot of points scored in the NFL. Uh, you see a lot of penalties um, called on those defensive players. So that's another point that I think a lot of people um, agree with Tom Brady, uh, you know, which have called the NFL softer, and it definitely has been uh, then, you know, since its inception. And then he mentioned college players uh, better prepared. So it was a little shot at college coaches. And I agree there are some great programs uh, that do produce NFL-ready talent. You look at Georgia and the Jalen Carter uh, that came out of there, um, and really Jordan Davis, DeAndre Swift, uh, Nick Chubb, great players uh, from Georgia. They come from there. Um, and I think they are NFL-ready, ready to get uh, thrown into a system. You have Michigan um, and the great players they have on the offensive line, Aiden Hutchinson. Um, DJ Turner, Dax Hill, um, great players. Um, Ohio State, you know, Garrett Wilsons, the Chris Alaves, uh, their wide receivers, especially some of their corners as well. Alabama, uh, you know, Tua and uh, Jalen Waddell, you know, Kamara. You know, so there are some programs. I think those are the core four, the two Big Ten and two SEC, where I think those are programs that are developing. But, yeah, I think outside of that, it's not really you look at uh, Lincoln Riley, uh, whether it's Oklahoma or USC, and the talent that comes from there, especially at the quarterback where he's coached Heisman winners in Baker Mayfield. Uh, that doesn't, you know, pan out or work well. And then Kyler Murray, you know, he's sort of a hit or miss. So I do agree with him in that sense that, hey, there are some of these pro environments but at the same time, hey, uh, there are some that it's their system. Again, college, they're trying to win championships. They're not really, you know, coaching you to go to the NFL. You know, college coaches are worried about their money, their status, um, and what they have to do and achieve uh, for their program. So I do think it's, you know, it's a give or take. And it's, a lot of colleges have changed um, in the past 20 years. Rules are different now with the NIL and money that players can get. And the organization that money to get the TV deals, a playoff. So lots change <clears throat> with the college. <clears throat> Excuse me. So to an extent, I agree with a lot of Brady points, but I think there's arguments really on both sides. So now we get into my top 10 NFL teams. 11 weeks done through the season. Got update this. Top 10. Again, it's fluid. Every week this changes, wins, losses, afflicted, injuries. Uh, Cincinnati will no longer be in this the rest of the year. Why? Because injury to Joe Burrow has been sustained. I believe they will finish under 500. No point of including them in there anymore. So let's start with number 10. Number 10, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, this right here, this truly is an enigma to put it 10, who to put here, um, you know, Houston, a lot of people love C.J. Stroud, enamored with him, MVP, 
Now, I'm not sold particularly yet uh, on uh, C.J. Stroud. I think Seattle and Houston are two evenly matched teams. I like to see them uh, go to head-to-head because they're similar in division and conference, you know, home away splits, all that, two evenly matched teams. However, I like the consistency of Seattle a bit more. Tough loss to the Rams. They just faced a ton of penalty yards, not disciplined team, but I am putting them here at number 10. Tough spot, a lot of teams there at 10. Again, Seattle was one, uh, Houston uh, was one, Pittsburgh, uh, Minnesota, and some teams there to put. Number nine, Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns, best defense in the NFL. That has propelled them to seven and three. They lose Deshaun Watson for the season. P.J. Walker didn't play. DRT did not look impressive against the Steelers, but they still won the game, was still able to outplay Kenny Pickett and get the win. Cleveland was good. Fantastic defensive effort. Uh, Now that you look at them uh, go, schedule isn't that difficult the rest of the way. Could we make the playoffs? Yes, it is very possible that this team makes the playoffs, uh, which would be remarkable considering their quarterback situation and Nick Chubb going down early uh, in the year. And they've won three in a row. Impressive. Number eight, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they're a good team. Trevor Lawrence flashed his brilliance uh, this past weekend, got back on track, however. I just think there's too many inconsistencies with Jacksonville to put them any higher than eight. I think there's a ceiling. I think there are teams that can beat them. I think when they're on, uh, like they were this past game, you know, the second half playoff game against the Chargers, there are moments when Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley, uh, ETN's been fantastic all year, where this team really clicks however this defense. I don't love anything about it. Uh, and offensively, offensively, they need Trevor uh, to be great each and every week. Seven, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Miami Dolphins can't be good teams, uh, but outside of that, uh, it doesn't matter because they're still seven and three. They also great at home, five and zero. Oh. Uh, their sixty-seven point win differential. They beat up the teams that they're supposed to beat up, uh, which is great because they don't have those trap games, games you worry about them for because they beat all lesser opponents on their schedule. And some teams have a tough time doing that. Six, Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys are not out yet. A lot of talk early when Trevon Diggs got injured. But Deron Bland, corner, has been a sensation already. Four pick sixes, which ties the record for most in a season. I honestly think he'll get one more, unless they don't throw his way anymore. He is that good. He's having similar numbers to Stephon Gilmore's Defensive Player of the Year award. A conversation. Dak and CD have truly been brilliant. Uh, that duo, that combination that they've got going is great. Offensive line is good. Jake Ferguson, emerging tight end. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, uh, not sleeping on them. They are tied for first in point differential at plus 127. That's a great number. Number five. The San Francisco uh, 49ers, I'm sitting them there at number five because, hey, 
Uh, they're back. They're healthy. They look really, really good. Look unbeatable uh, when they're healthy. However, big loss this past weekend. Hufanga torn ACL. Uh, best player in their secondary, the all-pro in there. Again, they had all-pros at every level of offense and defense. They no longer have that in the secondary. Uh, I think that'll be something to watch out for now moving forward because their secondary wasn't already great. Uh, it picks up the pressure now on their front four to get after the quarterback faster. Fred Warner in coverage um, adds to the pressure of this defense. And a great point differential, plus 2022. Um, lose close games, win by blowout a lot of other ways. Number four, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they sit here at four. Again, this is a team uh, this year that honestly has, you know, we look like struggled offensively, yet they're still top ten in offense. It's mainly been such great first halves and such low uh, second halves. This defense, though, is top five. It is a really solid defense in terms of, of a run and stopping the pass, very balanced, low scores allowed. This is the best defense, again, of this Chiefs-era team. Number three, Baltimore Ravens tie with the Cowboys for the uh, score differential at plus 127. This offense is top 10 in the league. They put up a bunch of points, 28. Uh, Lamar Jackson is very good. Um, it's running game, uh, passing to his rookie receivers, Zay Flowers, and others. He gets it done in defensively, uh, third best defense in terms of yards allowed, uh, one of the best in terms of scoring defense. Great unit right here that complements the offense. Mike McDonald, great defensive mind uh, for this team. Number two, the Detroit Lions. Sitting at two at eight and two, they're a fantastic team. They're two in offense. They're now at 400 yards per game. Uh, they can beat you throwing the ball. They can beat you running the ball. They also put up a lot of points. And even though this, you know, seems like to make fun of the, uh, you know, defense that the Lions have, the pass defense is mediocre. The rush defense is top five, and this is a top ten uh, total defense. So where that is concerned, it's like, hey, uh could they be better? Yeah, there's some things to tighten up, but this still is a good defense that they are putting out there week in and week out. But number one, it's the Eagles. They beat the Chiefs. They're 9-1, and one, only suffered one loss on the season. Uh, solid team. Jalen Hurts, MVP conversation, really him and Lamar. Uh, to me, again, this defense isn't where they were last year, where I thought this was a great unit outside of a rushing attack, and the rushing attack sort of got gashed yesterday. But this offense, top 10 in the NFL, it's very good. It's very Jalen Hurt reliant, and when he's your best player, might as well rely on him, your best player. So top 10 teams in the NFL, uh, there you have it. But now let's shift to college football. I want to give you my top six in college football real quick. It's very similar uh, to the AP poll, in which I have Oregon at six. I agree with Florida State at five. I think them and Washington should swap. I have Washington at four. Washington beat another ranked opponent uh, on the road. Tough win. Florida State 
you know what we got for when lost their quarterback? I think that max factors because hey, uh, if you move them down now and you give her reasons that hey, Washington's beat more good teams than Florida State has, it's like okay, we respect the argument. Then you don't worry about hey, uh, it's just Florida State's quarterback Jordan Travis that got hurt. I don't anticipate Florida State now going thirteen and zero. I think they lose one of their final two games of this season. Then, uh, you know, I have that same as eight people. I agree that should be switched in the college football playoff poll tonight. And then, of course, two and three, I switched. This was actually switched in the AP poll this week, and I don't agree with that. I think Ohio State should remain three, Michigan two, Georgia one. Georgia's been dominant. They are close to a unanimous uh, number one. Again, 61 first-place votes. There was one for Ohio State, and this was the first time all year where Michigan has not received a single AP vote. Uh, that would most certainly change uh, after the winner of the game this Saturday. So that's my top five, That's or top six. That's the one discrepancy I have, Ohio State and Michigan. Of course, in the CFP poll, I would like to see Florida State and Washington switch like it is in the AP poll. Some other things is, you know, that big question is, will they move Florida State down tonight? Uh, big precedent there. I think they should move them down. I uh, think it's deserving to move Washington up a spot. Then another one uh, that's to me correct in the AP poll, CFP should really align with it. It's Louisville's better than Missouri. Uh, they've been resilient. They beat good teams. Missouri struggled to beat Florida, struggled to beat some teams yesterday, 9-2. and two. But come on, they got two losses. To me, their two losses aren't even equivalent to Penn State's um, two losses. Penn State's look more dominant. Ole Miss's two losses, again, are better, but Alabama and Georgia. So Missouri, uh, you know, their loss was to uh, Georgia and LSU. So, again, LSU was a 10-point loss, squeaked it out against Memphis, uh, Kansas State, Middle Tennessee State. I mean, uh, come on there. I think we're giving too much love to Missouri. Another one, Tennessee, to me, should just drop out of the rankings entirely. They should not receive a vote. Uh, they should not be up there. I don't think Tennessee is worthy to be in the top 25. Uh, again, they might just keep them there at 24-25 to boost up the uh, Georgia propaganda uh, and keep them there, but I don't think they should be in the rankings this week. So we'll see. Uh, CFP rankings come out tonight. Only two more after this, which is crazy. College football coming to an end. We'll have next two days and then the selection Sunday. Uh, sort of show. Looking forward to that. So there you have it. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Bye, everybody.